0: Hey guys, welcome to a special episode of Tom's Two Unattractive Men. Um, we're out here on day nine of our road trip from LA to Vancouver. And back. And back. Uh, the back is not as smooth as the way up there. We ran into a s- little bit of a snowstorm last night. are now taking a multiple hour detour. We're not really sure how many more hours it's going to take us through the coast of California to avoid the snowy mountains. But... We wanted to just have another podcast because we haven't done one in a while, right? Something? It's true. It's been yeah. a minute. It's been a minute. And We've been doing a lot of talking during this trip, so we thought we should recap and talk more about some of the things that we've experienced in the road trip, especially since we have about 20 more hours of driving before we get our final destination with multiple charge points in between. And so, yeah, this is a episode, special episode one, episode number two. Let's start with
1: our trip. How do you feel about um, driving the Model 3 for the road trip so far?
0: So, so far, like, as someone that's new and hasn't really driven much Tesla, um, it's been great. Autopilot's been good. Uh, There's definitely, like, um, you definitely have this limitation on where you can go, when you can go, how long it takes. It's not as bad as I remember it when I used to drive an old Nissan Leaf because the charging time was seven hours plus here superchargers 20 minutes but it does make it so that you have to make your road trip on supercharger navigation which yes it's convenient to have that at least but that's the limitation itself right is having to always be following these superchargers um but overall experience is good stress-free because autopilot um car is great a lot of open space a lot of room to sleep as we almost experienced last night um but yeah not much bad
1: i will add on to that too uh i think the pros and cons are very obvious where the pros are you can drive i i've been driven driving for five hours straight and without getting tired at all it feels like i just drove an hour um on on other trip and that's what People on the outside who never been actually in the Tesla don't understand. They either think that oh the car can fully self drive on point from point A to point point B, which is not true, or they have this fear and um, distrust in autopilot, where they they don't know what's what it's capable of.
0: I definitely had a distrust of it on the first day. Like my Apple Watch told me that my heart rate up was up like twenty points from like 70 to 90 um it's gotten a lot more easier i trust it a lot more in certain conditions and don't get me wrong like it's not perfect world like Zeming said like you still have to pay attention your hand should still be on the wheel um but there's this like passive sense you, you're very passive now right it's like a passive act
1: you're just yeah. fail
0: safe for the car pretty much you're a fail safe right and so um and sometimes it does stupid things and lane changes and all that stuff which you easily can fix but overall
1: and I will add on to that where I think when I was paying attention the we do have interventions from time to time where uh, I will Bobby I will have to take over from the car but out of those interventions most are for convenience very few are for actual safety concerns where the car was putting us in danger there there will be from time to time like one incident while you drive like five hours especially in tricky conditions like we were in um you do need to pay attention but in normal highway conditions there's you almost don't
0: have to worry about the car in some way will put you in danger but yeah exactly and there is one other thing i would say like next time if we were to do a road trip again i think one key learning is preparing um as like we know like Tesla superchargers are great, but they're not everywhere, so make sure you have like the adapters for all the other types. I know Zaming will tell you the adapter types. And also like just be aware of your conditions, be aware of elevation and the temperature because these are all things that affect let's say an electric car very differently than a gas car um on your exactly. road trip. Yeah. Yeah, uh we really <laughs> put put it put the car
1: to its limit on this trip where we were up and down the hills, and we were in extreme, extremely snowy conditions back when we going from uh, Oregon to North Cal. And that wasn't really what you normally would encounter on a road trip. But if you are planning through routes, going through those tri- uh, these kind of conditions, be prepared, research on snow tire chains, research on elevation, research on the weather condition and the road requirements, snow tires. Um, that will put you take a lot of stress away, that and, and mitigate a lot of the mistakes we've made this on this trip.
0: And yeah, that's like that's about it. I I don't know if you want to like touch up on like the electrify America um, charging station situation that we had. Last right, night. Yeah. and from from
1: the last supercharger we hit uh, before we hit the snow, a uh, snow area. There's not we almost didn't have enough charge to make it to the next charging station because how we were stuck in traffic for like almost 2 hours in the middle of a, a snowstorm so we had to actually head back and make it to a middle point where trying to find trying to find third party chargers to make sure we have enough charge to continue the trip either backwards or forward where we stumbled upon charge point chargers where which is very slow the J uh, 1772 chargers that Tesla will, will actually give you that ad- adapter for but most of the other DC fast charging stations are not using um, are using a chatmo charger which is a, a different ch- there a DC fast charging standard established by um, adopted by all, all the other third-party manufacturers like charge and electrifier market and especially with Electrify America, building up almost a very complete supercharger, uh, their own charging infrastructure around the U.S., um, it will be helpful to have a Chatham adapter um, on your Tesla if you're going through trips, especially on a standard range plus Model 3 where you don't necessarily have the flexibility of, like, uh, over 300 miles of battery, and that's probably another big takeaway is that a lot of the stress we've gone through on this trip would not be an issue if you bought the long-range model 3 with 322 miles of range or the long-range model s with 373 miles of range you could have made a lot less stops and take a lot of stress away so yeah definitely it is Um, realistic to make a road trip on the shortest range standard plus model three with only 400 240 miles of range but you're definitely putting yourself in a lot more stress and uh time waste on the way
0: yeah but i wouldn't necessarily say like the standard range is like it's not bad like still feel free to do road trips and it wasn't crazy stressful other than when we hit that uh weather like i don't know if it's worth the cost to do that for your one road trip every year or two so if you're a frequent road tripper yes but if it's your family road trip that you do once a year don't worry about it i would say perfect and let's move on from now
1: to the cybertruck we now had a little bit of time to digest on the cybertruck announcement from roughly a week ago and yeah what are our thoughts
0: well, being a hypocrite from the point I just made, I would totally buy the 500 mile range. That's great. New battery tech allows that to happen. We'll see what happens if it gets released on time. The glass is great, um, which I also learned something. This is the only thing I've ever learned from a David Dobrik podcast, which was um, he brought his friend brought up a good point, which is apparently the glass needs to be shatterable I'm pretty sure that rule only applies to your front windshield, not the side passenger mirror and the conditions blast. where you
1: actually drive your car into the water
0: and correct, yeah, so it's for protection, for safety that you need to be able to bust out your windshield when underwater to get out of the car uh-huh. um, now from my looks of it I think the Cybertruck should float so, I'm just kidding, it shouldn't float hopefully it won't float, but um, overall, I think it's a cool car. It looked like shit when it first came out, but then I waited like five minutes, looked at it again, and I was like, not horrible. If I saw it on the street, yes, I'm still going to be like, oh, because it's so massive compared to any other truck or any other car. But overall, I think it's a good car, not the car for me, I'll say, um, but it is a cool car, $100 deposit, joined the other 300,000 people or so, a little less. Um, that have joined in but yeah overall i think it's a good interesting release
1: and just taking a big picture look at the event i think at one point you can say that it's a utter failure with the glass breaking and that being in the background of the entire rest of the presentation but on the other hand that combined with the look of the uh, truck really captured the attention around the world i was monitoring closely on twitter and um other platforms that i am on in china where people are talking about it everywhere unless you're living under the rock i'm sure you've seen some version of this truck or some meme of this truck where it's almost inescapable if they just came out with a safer version um or a safe design, I don't think it would nearly got the same attention that it did. Of course, the cra- the design is crazy uh, compared to anything we've seen, but we also have um, enough time ahead of us for people to really grow into how it looks. Especially um, looking at the the pre-order number closer to three hundred thousand now, that as an investor, I'm sure I I, I do have confidence that. It is a knockout success. There's no other way around it. Um, for a truck that I, uh, I, I, I went into knowing it's gonna be look weird, it still um, was able to gain such a mainstream um, traction. I, I would say it's far exceeded my expectation on how much press and how much attention this truck has gotten.
0: Yeah, same. Like, it's the biggest meme of november pretty much um i think they've done a fantastic job from just using their customer base and their fan base to get billions of dollars of advertising it is going to be in youtube Free advertising re- yeah it's like it's but it's like a statement for 20 2019 now like it's going to be in youtube rewind it's going to be in everyone's yearbook as like a big thing that happened in the year of 2019 um i think like overall big statement now it's just a matter of he said he talked the talk now let's see how he executes in terms of delivery time and all that stuff
1: right and going back to uh, respond to a lot of media uh, coverage of this i don't think it's a truck meant to replace the full fm50s or the silverados it really sets up a new vehicle category where it, I, I would say it has the functionality of a truck but also carries a status symbol of uh, a mercedes Mercedes G wagon it is a status car it's a it's a statement car where you put it out there to to show that how different you are it's gonna be the car that every rapper puts into their music video and every youtuber and influencers get to be in their videos and Instagram posts in that way and and the fact that it looks different than any other car cements its place in as a as, as a Really a cultural icon And Just to conclude uh, This segment on the Cybertruck I personally think the biggest surprise And the best feature of the truck Is the price In no way I would imagine that Tesla would Come out with a base price of $40,000 Or de- Delivering a 500 mile truck um, At seventy k. Where if you look at the technology today The best long, Longest range Tesla you can get is the 370 mile model s for starting around 80k that means that they do have pretty significant battery breakthrough in the back that in two years we will see a way better truck we will see, we'll see a way better vehicle with way better range at a lower price point so yeah that's one more most excited about
0: i think the the true question here is i is uh why haven't you put your pre-order in yet oh fuck
1: yeah I think uh, as soon as I get my internet back and yeah, you know, it might happen. Well, which configuration would you prefer?
0: If I'm going to spend that much on something that I don't need right now, I would just go all the way out and get 70k 500 mile range.
1: I personally would go for the mid range, uh, the $59,000 one with the tri motor, uh, the, the dual motor, because the top configuration tri-motor you have to wait another year so if i want to potentially make videos about it and talk about it i would rather get it a year early and f- f- uh, 300 miles of range for me it's very usable for almost any uses because you UK- use cases that i will put it through
0: well for my use cases i'm really living in it so i need to have a lot <laughs> Um, because it'll take away all my wallet money but it being released a year later also gives me a year worth of time to save up more money for it so i guess that's another way to look at it <laughs> but i don't know if you're gonna have 50 grand what's it what's the 300
1: mile range one uh 60
0: will you have no, 60 no, grand well, in two 50, years
1: Fifty. Well, no yeah, something some, somewhere around there okay um uh, but yeah yeah 50k I don't think so but you know and uh, something might happen from now to then
0: Well, you can also get a
1: I just finance it
0: finance it yeah Yeah. well you should finance it no matter what yeah yeah alright
1: and moving on to our talk about the news what just happened a few days ago what
0: did happen a few days ago that's a good question
1: the black friday
0: oh black friday
1: yeah
0: well I saved a ton of money this black friday actually Um, so if you guys want to hear my wait what did you what did how did you save yeah no no i saved a ton of money okay it's so much money because my number one tip for black friday is you shouldn't get anything because you'll save so much more than all your friends and you really don't need anything and if you truly do you probably already bought it by now and this is kind of why like I guess this will go into, like, mainly, like, what I would like to talk to you about is online versus retail, right? And so, the main thing here is...
1: We saw a news headline where e-commerce sales broke through 7 billion. Yeah. But it's it's slightly lower than expected, while still being up, like, uh, year, year to year, around
0: 20%. Yeah, but, like, at the same time, it's only been... I, it's been less than 72 hours and the data might not all be there. So we're still waiting for some stuff. I, so personally for me, like you guys, those that don't know me that well, I am a retail buyer. I do not buy, I buy very few things online. Like I'll buy my phone case online. I'll buy like, I'll, I probably spend maybe like less than $300 a year online. Like I don't buy things online. And I think that has to happen with, like, how I manage my money in terms of I only buy things when I truly need them, and when I truly need them means I need to run over to the store right now and go buy it and come home, um, and, like, I won't buy anything that I can live without, so, like, overall, that's my, like, philosophy, and so I've always been a retail shopper, and most of my money that goes is just groceries. I don't buy much, like, as a human, so, um yeah that's for me so uh, Black Friday is not a huge deal I'll look at a few things here and there maybe buy something online and then buy the essentials like sneakers I'll buy sneakers like they're 25% off at Dick's, um, so I'll get like good Nike sneakers for 50 bucks uh, right but that's about it
1: and um, going back to the big picture stuff um, I think eventually e-commerce still has a long way to go and um, right now the, the it, I, I I think people are too caught up in how fast is it growing, but I think eventually it's inevitable that more and more money slowly will move into e-commerce, and it's just about one the cost structure of uh, logistics and you know customer service and returns, uh, and second, just culturally uh, the adoption way where how comfortable people are with shopping online. Um, of course, that doesn't mean that our physical retail will be obliterated um, There's still gonna be winners and losers and The great companies that can execute well will the legacy retailers will still have a place um, I'm sure in the new like new era and Is there anyone? Any, any player that specifically stands out to you?
0: Yeah, there's two players specifically. Best Buy, um, which has slightly started shifting its business model. I would say like they're really focusing on their services with Geek Squad, increasing that, as well as now charging real estate pretty much for products. So online products that used to only be sold online like Tile, Google Home, all of that stuff now can pay for infrastructure in every Best Buy store as an opportunity for local consumers to try it out and then buy it online somewhere else if they wanted to. But that way, Best Buy is still winning by charging Google, for example, in Google Homes case, real estate prices to have their products in their stores on their shelves. Well not even on their shelves, more these experiences, right? Uh, opportunities to try out the product there's a store called neighborhood goods that was launched in Dallas that's now expanding in New York for the holidays um, it is a 100% online brands only store so like Hims uh, and Peloton and all of these other brands that only sell online will be available in this store to try out test out neighborhood goods doesn't care how much product they move they don't make a single dime off of anything that leaves their shelves what they charge is they charge how many feet does that company want in their store and that's how that's how they pay for it. It's a simpler model for for the store. It's a simpler model for online brands to get into people's hands quicker right. because now the online brand has the opportunity to market on their website. Hey, you want to try our product? Go to our neighborhood goods location on whatever, right?
1: Right, and, and that goes back to saying that um the e-commerce brands used used to be just focusing on spending the money into pre-purchase which is marketing advertising but they're missing a big piece which is actually the in-store experiences where we see really great companies really great brand, brand builders like apple did a fantastic job building their temples around the world getting people into the hands uh, getting the device in people's hands before they purchase, and provide a fantastic experience both in distribution, where they uh, let the customer experience the product, and in post uh, uh, and in post post purchase, where they provide fantastic services, and um, and repairs through their uh, operated retail stores. And for the other other brands who doesn't have the capital, or um, uh, to operate their own ten- temples like Apple does, um, I think that model has a lot of potential.
0: Yeah, and you nailed it on the head with the pre and post sale, but even past that end of life cycle, where so if someone wants to return the product, a store is so much more convenient for the end user than it usually is. So, like Kohl's really hit, hit on the nail when they allowed Amazon uh, packages to be returned to any Kohl's. Got people in the store, got A lot of business for kohl's and made it easier for amazon's logistics uh, structure to handle all those returns Mm -hmm. um and so this is kind of the shift of retail i like it i do a mix to be honest like for walmart groceries i do pick up so whenever i get there they within maybe three minutes they'll get it to my car and delivered i just tell them what parking spot i'm in uh it's all labeled and they're at my door within five minutes which is great and like I don't get tempted by anything in the store. I just get what I need. I have my grocery list on my phone, paid, done, quickly. It's it's so much more convenient for me. Um, and like, as I said, like, I'll use Amazon for the thing here and there. Um, but honestly, I'm still a big fan of the online or in-person experience as well as just buying when I need to. And hopefully, I know a lot of people don't follow that philosophy, but yeah. And I think the losers in the physical retail space
1: will be the ones that fails to uh, provide a meaningful experience in store, while also fail to provide the best value as um, and convenience that online retailers delivers. The the J C Penneys, the Sears, the the um, the Macy's of the world, they would really have um, to struggle to find their place in the new world because. Um, they they failed to provide where physical retail is most valuable at. And if you look at the winner for the uh, biggest players, they are really going after omni-channel retail. That's, I think, the single destination where players on both sides are going after. Where if you look at the, uh, the winners in the market in the past year, like Target and Walmart, that really start to grow their e-commerce and online order and pick up in-store um, efforts their efforts are recognized by the investors and really show up in the balance sheet. and I think they're moving to a similar place where Amazon is where they have hit the point where um, it, it, there's only so much limits you can go with pure play uh, e-commerce at some point once you get big enough you need the, you need the physical retail locations on the ground to expand your um, logis- logistic infrastructure to expand your return experience to expand your reach to the more zip codes um, in the states and around the world and the best, the biggest winner um, in e-commerce won't be the pure place but it's up, up for grab for both the players in traditional and the, the players coming from online background to go omni-channel and really build out uh, a, a streamlined, uh, a really stream, a streamlined infrastructure where you can buy anywhere, you can return anywhere, you can buy wherever you want and you have the relationship to the customer. I think that's where the value at For the biggest players Yeah,
0: it's opening the doors Where the entry point And the end point for a sale Can be anywhere Instead of just one fixed location Um, I think Target's really nailing it They started remodeling The back of their buildings To warehouse style So they can also use them As logistics infrastructure Their sales have increased I believe it's 32% last quarter uh, When it comes to online sales And a lot of that Also has to do with uh pick up in store so ordering online picking up in store and that's what i mean by this change in how people end and start their right. Emergence.
1: everybody's going omnichannel right yeah, yeah.
0: so yeah but overall
1: right. yeah all good i i think that's where we wrap it up for two ugly a uh, two un- unattractive men
0: tums you know we're tums okay. because we give people stomach acid and you need tums to like solve that right
1: yeah that reminds me of the mcdonald's two for three i ate this morning
0: oh mcgriddles man mcgriddles
1: how many mcdonald's have we had on this trip
0: um i believe seven and three of those were the same exact mcdonald's because we passed through there multiple times that's so sad
1: all right see ya